Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Patrick. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I think you gave me a cold. I gave you a cold? Yeah. You sent it through the internet. It went into your microphone, and then your microphone it went through the cord into your computer. And then went over the airwaves through the internet. I'm trying to internet. think. I'm trying to think. The last time we talked, Patrick, did I don't think I had a cold then. Oh, I think, maybe you didn't give it to me then. I think I might not have given it to you, but um, I'm sorry you have a cold anyway. That's That's super lame. That's really unfortunate. So I really hope you feel better. Have you had any chicken noodle soup yet today? Uh, I've had uh, tomato soup. I'm not a I'm not a chicken noodle soup fan. I I go with the tomato soup. That's I mean, what I go with. T- tomato soup is great, but I don't know if it really goes with colds very well. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why it's not going away. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's your problem. You got to have that chicken broth, man. That that warm chicken broth burning your throat as it goes down. That's what yeah. really does the job. You mean tomato soup doesn't? I mean, it burns my throat too. It, it does burn. That's not the whole thing. There's there's some oh. magic in the chicken broth. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. That definitely helps. And I'm not going to get into why I think it's better. Mm. But I feel like tomato soup is great. I love tomato soup, especially paired with a really nice grilled cheese sandwich. It's a wonderful thing. But I don't really know if it goes super well with a cold I guess as well as just having a chicken noodle soup or maybe even just ramen. Um, yeah. Getting some some ramen noodles or like a cup of noodles and just putting a little bit of hot sauce in there. That that really helps out. Some hot sauce? Put a little... Yeah. Does the hot sauce actually help? It does, especially if you like are kind of stuffed up. If your throat kind of hurts, it's yeah. going to clear you out for a second. So I actually load it up with hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so like i like start sweating you know like i'm sweating out this cold so it's a it's actually a nice one so i would recommend hmm. trying that out patrick right after this episode um you should go do that okay i'm just gonna go i'm gonna skip the chicken noodle soup i'm just gonna just down the hot sauce <laughs> just the hot just sauce <laughs> pour it in my mouth that'll work too <laughs> i'm i'm a fan i'm a fan of ramen have you ever eaten uh, I, I'd I'd much rather eat the chicken ramen than chicken noodle soup. I, I think I'm I'm more fan of that. Mm-hmm. But have you ever just eaten raw ramen, like just the crispy ramen? I have tried it. Them? I have tried it, and I've not gotten anything like great from that. Like no, like you know, you get the little pieces that kind of fall out when you're making it, and so I've like eaten that before, and I have not been impressed. So it's not something that I I continually do. Oh man, you're missing out. I now, love eating me some raw ramen, dude. Do you put like the the seasoning on the the raw ramen? No, or do I you just, just eat you it just straight? Eat it. <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. You just break it up in little pieces and eat it like crackers. <laughs> so, <laughs> not like little pieces, but like bite sized pieces, you know? Okay, so Patrick, tell me when whenever you're making spaghetti, do you just like? Like bef- you know how like when you you cook you kind of snack on the food when you're eating it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you do that with spaghetti? Do you just like take big bites out of raw spaghetti when you're eating it too? Is that, is that uh, something that no. does it for you? No. What's the difference that's, between that's ramen weird. and spaghetti? <laughs> I don't know. I, ramen ha- ramen has a good flavor to it. Like it's got even without the flavor, it's got like a good a good nice flavor to it. I don't know. And I like the crunch, but it's all stuck together too. If you if yeah. you, uh, it's like one big piece. If you were to take, you know, macaroni noodles or something and eat them, that's just horrible. And yeah, they don't have the same definitely. crunch either, you know? Like, huh. there's a different crunchiness to to the ramen. Yeah, and maybe know. it's maybe it's those, like, preservatives they add that really let ramen last for, like, you know, five years versus the <laughs> the regular stuff that yeah, can only last for a certain stuff. amount of time. And, and so, true, maybe that stuff tastes good. Yeah, it's got to be it. <laughs> uh we're, we're americans patrick we're we're uh fed on preservatives that's yeah, that's our, GMOs, our primary man. exactly that's that's how we that's how we survive so we love that stuff our bodies thrive on it so the more the, the better i think yeah i like genetically <laughs> modified ramen noodles yeah yeah <laughs> i i ate when i was a kid i was doing that once 
I think I was just snacking on some ramen noodles. Like I opened the package, snack on some ramen noodles. And uh, my older brother came to me and said, have you ever, do you, when you cook noodles, what happens to the noodles when you cook them? And I'm like, they get big and they get bigger and softer. And he goes, that's what happens to them in your stomach. And then he kind of laughed and ran off, you know? <laughs> and so it, it kind of freaked me out a little bit that like I was going to eat all these ramen noodles and they were going to like blow up in my stomach and I'd get all bloated and die, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. That was before I knew that my body contained an acid so powerful, more powerful than battery acid, mm-hmm. that I that I, you know, that I realized, hey, look, this acid is just gonna break it down. Not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So it's true. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fears when you're a kid. You know, you're not sure what's gonna happen there in the tummy if you eat a watermelon seed on accident. You don't really know what's gonna happen. Um, yeah, you gonna grow a watermelon in there? You never yeah. Know. Right, right, and and then there's the there's the whole thing with birds, how you, like ducks, you can't go feed them bread anymore because it like expands in their stomach or something. Oh yeah, I heard about that. But that doesn't happen to us. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they can't break it down because of all the preservatives. <laughs> yeah, do they have? Maybe it's just white bread. You know, it's like <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I've been eating raw ramen noodles for uh, a solid, you know, 20, 25 years now in my life, and I'm still doing yeah. okay. Yeah, you're, you're doing great. You're thriving. That's, that's, that's great. So, And um, you know, one benefit of it is, let's say Tuesday evening, you're just kind of, you're hungry for like a snack, but you don't want to really make anything. So you crack open, crack open a packet of chicken ramen, right? Pull uh-huh. out the ramen, take the chicken flavor packet, set it aside, right? And then you break off the ramen, you eat it, and it fills you up a little bit. It 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 fixes that 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 snack craving you needed while you were watching, you know, a TV show or whatever. And then the next day, you're like, "Oh man, I should have some ramen for lunch, right?" So you whip out another packet of ramen, and you put the you know break up the ramen, put it in the little pan there, and you start warming it up. You put the chicken packet in, and then you go, "Oh, guess what? I have another chicken packet because I didn't eat the chicken packet from last night." <laughs> So I'm gonna double season this guy. Fantastic! Wow, you double season. I actually, Patrick, I actually like do like half a seasoning because it still tastes the same. I have actually discovered <laughs> if you just put like half of it, it's probably like three hundred percent less sodium, and <laughs> it and still it tastes, tastes the same. It, it still doesn't taste watered down. No, oh. to me at least, maybe maybe to my you. my taste buds. To me, it's like it's totally fine. I don't really need to add that much. So. Um, double seasoning it. That's that's something. That's something I don't believe sure. you. I had double seasoned that guy up, and it's way better than <laughs> all right than a regular. Now, Patrick, tell me ramen. something that I've always liked. Uh, you ever you ever tried putting cheddar cheese in it? No, you've never that's put a... cheese in your ramen. No, that sounds gross. <laughs> it's not. Why it's would actually... you put cheese in your ramen? You put cheese like in everything. Shredded? Yeah, well, shredded I cheese. know. Like, so you get like the chicken packet, and then you throw a little shredded cheese on top of that. No, you get the cooked. It's already cooked in the water. All that stuff. It's you know boiled or whatever. Uh, it's ready to eat. It's already been seasoned, and you just put a little bit of cheese on top. Hmm. Huh? Do you do that with chili? Yes. I also do that occasionally with tomato soup as well. Yeah. So you like the cheese that's all. The stringy cheese, the the cheese that gets like all melty and gooey. Yeah, that's the problem. It tastes really good, but it's actually really hard to eat. It's not yeah. not great to eat because it's it you you do you lift it up and the, the cheese kind of sticks to both you know the stuff in the bowl as well as on your fork. So it's kind of a difficult thing, but it, it tastes nice. It also looks nice too. See, and I said. I said I can see the where the garnish the garnish factor of the cheese on top of the chili looks great, um, but yes, I I said gross because I don't like the experience of that. Like when people put sure. put cheddar, they put any kind of cheese or whatever, a little pepper jack in their chili. I don't like how I don't like how the chili gets uh, stringy, makes it really hard to eat. And then it gets all over your face, and you're trying mm-hmm. to wipe cheese strings off your face. It's gross. But yeah, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying uh that's not good that's not good for you. I'm just saying for me the texture thing. 
Yeah, I but totally get that. If you love that. it, more power to you. I get that. And because of the, the complication of the cheese and the way it behaves, I occasionally don't <laughs> add the cheese to it if I don't feel like <laughs> messing with that. But yeah, I get what you're saying. But it, it is tasty. As long yeah. as we're talking about ways to eat ramen, um, that's one that you can always throw in the mix here and there. Have you ever put in uh, uh, like a sour cream in your ramen before? No. No, I've heard that's good. I've never actually tried it, but wow. No, I, I haven't. Dollop heard that a sour one. cream and mix it in there. Kind of thicken, thickens up the soupy part, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, all all great ideas. That that sounds interesting. I think it it's got to be good. I'm down to maybe. try that one. Yeah, maybe. Now, Patrick, there's there's one thing I can't not talk about about ramen that I have <laughs> discovered in my adult life that has upped the ramen game, <laughs> I think, by a lot for sure, where, you know, you get these old packets of ramen, you've had them your whole life, you know, something you, just, you can put them in a microwave or just like put them in hot water, all that sort of stuff. They're good. They're really good. But what could be better is actually, and I want to know, if, Patrick, have you tried the frozen ramen before? There's these these packets at Costco. Like there's kind of these bowls. It's like frozen ramen. It has like uh, it has like a meat in it and like like little vegetables. And you just like add a little bit of water and put it in the microwave. It is so good. It's mm-hmm. like ramen 2.0. It's very very good ramen. Yeah, I've had those at work before. I've picked out the little when it's still frozen. You take out the vegetables. So you're you taking out the, the vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have the regular, you just have the meat and the noodles. <laughs> it's, it's rough because when you look at the ramen packets, the ones that we, we know and love now, they always have like some meat and vegetables in them. But of course, they don't actually have that. Like it just looks better that way on the packet, yeah. right? But these frozen ones actually do have that. But you, Patrick, are still opting to take off the the nice looking garnishy vegetables in, in part of that too. That's hilarious. Well, yeah, because when you microwave stuff like that, the vegetables never turn out right. Sure. Right? They no, never... they're fine actually. I disagree. They're actually great because, yeah, they're frozen and then you heat them up. It is, of course, not the same as going into a, like a restaurant and getting that, but it's still way better than the existing ramen noodles that, that everybody's used to. So I think yeah, but they're frozen and then you nuke them, right? You put them in the microwave, nuke those guys. Yeah. And then all the vegetables just get like mushy and like weird, which is, it's fine if they're mushy because they're already, and I wouldn't say that they're actually mushy, but it's fine if they're that way because they're already in a broth or in a soup. So like they don't need to be like super crunchy or anything. Hmm. I think, I think they're, they're totally great. So I, I don't know which kind you've had and which kind I've had in comparison, Patrick, but the ones I've had, I don't take anything out of and they're quite lovely. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> it probably is really interesting. <laughs> Should we talk about something else that's interesting, Patrick? Yeah. Do we have a yeah. topic? We do. We do have a randomly chosen topic um, from the, the topic machine today. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump into that. So today's topic comes from friend of the show, Chris Jenkins, who submitted this in for us. All right. So not exactly a question, but it is a topic. So he writes in alignment of teams and priorities. Alignment of teams and priorities. Yes, this is a big one. Uh, I don't know, Patrick, if you've ever been a designer on a team, let's say you're working on something and um, you're excited for this thing to go out and then all of a sudden, or maybe not go out, but maybe you're excited for engineers to start working on it. But then all of a sudden the company or the team's priority has shifted and all of a sudden you, your thing that you worked on, that you got feedback on from users is going to be put on the back burner possibly forever um, has that ever happened to you patrick uh yes yes yeah, that's as a matter definitely... of fact quite often <laughs> yeah 
I mean, not quite often, but I mean, it happens. It happens plenty. Yeah, you know? it, it happens enough where it's it's like a normal thing. It's something you're used to as a designer, right? Um, mm-hmm. Also, it's happened to me in my career plenty of times, and it's sad because you got your design, you know, it's a good solution, you know, it's like something that can help people out, but it's probably you know not the right time for the company or the priorities have just shifted. We're gonna we're gonna focus on something else as a company. Um, so that's something that can be frustrating as a designer. And I think another thing as well is alignment of teams. Uh, I think this is an interesting thing. And Patrick, this is probably something that I think you have to deal with more as a design manager, um, teams that are actually aligning on each other. So how do you feel about (laughs) team alignment? Is that something that um, you are dealing with a lot as a manager, actually? Um, Yeah, I think it's a constant struggle. It's not not everything you've, you know. I don't know. I think, like... When you're talking about, you know, work being done on a couple of different teams, you know, for the same product, right? So mm-hmm. you're, each team is contributing to the same exact product. Alignment's always an issue, you know? Like, it's never going to go away because yeah, this team over here, team A does some research, they want to do this. Team B does some other research, they want to do this, you know? But, but how well are those going to play together? How well is the user, overall user experience going to be? You know, like it's, it's, yeah, it's always, alignment's always going to be something that you always have to talk about, that you always have to be talking to each other about constantly. Yes. So Patrick, in your experience, what does poor alignment look like? Uh, no, no collaboration. I think there's, there's no alignment, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's no talking, there's no communicating with each other there's none of that it's just it's just people doing their own things people just wandering all over the place yeah Um, and it's not hard alignment's not hard it's just a matter of talking to somebody it's a matter of team a has an idea for something team b has an idea for something and just having team a and team b talking to each other like that's all it is yeah, exactly. I think that that's, that is definitely what alignment is, is like that communication, right? That collaboration. Um, I think without alignment, not only do you have like a product that's kind of going to be different, I think the user experience, like the end experience for users is going to be definitely hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And the company as well, I think is going to be hurt <laughs> along the same lines. Like you're, if you're not aligned, then... Um, course the user is not happy and if the user is not happy they're not going to keep you know working on this product they're not going to keep you know doing um, I guess purchasing this product or, or you know paying monthly fees or whatever that is if you're working on a SaaS product so um, I think yeah poor alignment definitely definitely has some unfortunate side effects right um, and as you said like having that that collaboration is definitely something that's key and that communication is important so I Patrick have worked um, worked with with companies. I've worked at you know Canopy. I've worked at you know Workfront. Now at Adobe, where there are a lot of teams. There are a lot of people that are working on um, a lot of different things, and those experiences can be very different, right? And but they still have to align. They still have to somehow um, make an experience that's not a Frankenstein for the end user. Uh, so. How, Patrick, have you tried to strive for alignment? Um, how do you encourage that as a manager? Um, well, it's hard because, like, if you're, if, like, in my case, just the UX design manager, so you can only encourage your designers to align, yeah. right? You, it's harder to encourage, you know, different product development teams to align, especially on priorities and goals. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, from my standpoint, it's, it's important for me to understand what's happening on the product side um, and make sure what products are, you know, what, what product management, what they're thinking about, what the product owners are thinking about and where they're headed with their, you know, respective teams um, so that I can make sure that our designers know sort of like, it's kind of my job. Our, my designers don't really know exactly what's happening on the other teams. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of more my job to make sure and something it's kind of a hard lesson I think I've learned is it's it's more my job to make sure that I'm paying attention to what's happening on the other teams 
so that when I see similarities come up or I see an, a, a, a potential alignment issue, right, that I bring that up to my designers and say, hey, okay, you know, you uh, designer A, you need to get with designer B and talk talk this over because these might intervene or these might cross pass or you're just going to need some alignment on these issues, right, on these projects. And so it's kind of my, my responsibility at, at a different, uh, like a different, from a different view to make sure I understand what, what's sort of happening in the minds of the product managers mm-hmm. and the product owners. So, you know, understanding their roadmaps, where they're coming from, what they're doing so that I can guide the designers to, to align together, guide designers in the right direction. Yeah. I like that. Um, and it's definitely important. It's a great thought that you are definitely working with the designers a lot. You're of course the design manager. So working with them and um, trying to get them to collaborate well on the design itself is definitely something that's really important. And that's something you have a lot more power over as as a designer. But of course, what happens when product, the different um, product um, individuals aren't aligning on those priorities. Um, that's also an issue that that can be a problem for um, for the company in terms of, you know, what is the top priority uh, for the company, for the company's customer? Uh, and are we all headed in that same direction? Are we all headed towards that vision? Um, if there isn't alignment there, then there, of course, is going to be some some issues. Uh, where a designer can be, you know, working on a great thing, but maybe this thing isn't the most important thing, but it's what they're supposed to be working on. It's what their PM is having them work on. So there's problems with that. So Patrick, have you ever experienced something like that? Like where, um, like, like maybe the, the product side, um, I guess of the, the whole, you know, solution trio, um, is not really aligned, um, correctly on, on what the company's end goal or end vision is. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen that happen a few times where a product team kind of went rogue a little bit, right. And, and was trying to push something that they thought, you know, uh, rightfully so they thought was the most important thing they should be doing, Hmm. but then sort of, you know, down the road in the long, in the, in the longer run of things, it didn't really align with what, you know, product marketing and what everybody else at the company was doing. And so then it, it, it got pushed aside. Right. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's happened before. I think, I think the bigger thing that happens with designers and in my mind, and, and maybe it's not necessarily an alignment issue, but, um, is you might start a project and start going down the road and think it's the right project to do. And everybody seems to be aligned. But then another part of the product organization, or even another part of like, say the marketing side or, or just the business side decides, hey, we're gonna try this other thing now, you know? And then it kind of trickles back to your thing and then kind of changes your roadmap a little bit and then you sort of have to realign. And so, you know, it's like, hey, you were aligned, but now something's changed, right? Like Mm -hmm. a different lever is being pulled and now we have to realign to that. And that can be uh, a real struggle for designers. I've noticed I, like even when you were, when we were working on canopy together, there was a couple of times that I think you even struggled with some of that on your team as far as like, Hey, we, we were doing this and now you're telling me we got to do this, Yeah, you know? And so I think, I think that can be a struggle for designers too, because you've, you've sort of experimented, you've done some research, you you know, invested in something. You started going down the path of creating a solution for people that you thought was really impactful and then somebody else from outside of your team, right, um, comes in and says, you know, kind of the swoop and poop and says, hey, we're going to do something else or we're going to change directions. And even if it's temporary, like there's been plenty of times when I've seen it happen temporarily where it's like it comes in. Hey, we're just going to put the pause on this for about another month. We're going to take on this project and then we're going to return back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, even that, you know, people, I mean, it's it's almost like people get insulted you know like that you just call them a name you just call them a horrible horrible name and you know like you're 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 being like people take it personally almost you know so it's it's kind of funny and it's hard it's hard to realign in those cases like it really is like the pride in your heart all that stuff you know like it's really hard to just be like okay i'm gonna realign you know i'm gonna align to this sort of new vision or this new direction for a minute i think it can be really difficult for designers 
Yeah, that's definitely true. That's something I've experienced many times, even as you mentioned, where, yeah, you're working on something, you've done research, you've talked to so many users, and you've like, you've gained empathy for the solution you're working on. And then somebody comes and tells you, you, you can't work on this right now. Uh, we're going to work on this other thing that you haven't really, you know, done any research on just because it's important. Right. Um, and that can be like, Oh, but if I, if I stop this now, we're never going to go back to it. <laughs> it's not, it's not ever going to get finished or maybe it won't for years. And the users that we've talked to, like they've said that they really want this thing. So yeah, it is. You're saying it is kind of like, it's frustrating because you're, you've, you've gained that empathy. You've, you've, um, come to the solution. You've kind of created this thing that you are excited to see um, users be able to use and <laughs> to be able to like make their lives a little bit better by using the solution. And then all of a sudden, uh, no, you're working on this other thing, right? Um, and you may or may not agree <laughs> with this other thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I think what, what's helped, um, especially if the product manager, you know, the you know, the person coming from the business side of this is really good. They're really good at telling you why this is important. Uh, and if you can kind of start to um, align with that vision in terms of understanding its importance for the company as well as the user, then that's going to do you a lot, a lot of good, I think, as a designer. It'll help you kind of see the importance of pushing pause on this thing you're working on and uh, moving forward with this new thing. Um, and if you understand it well, you might even begin to realize that, oh, we shouldn't push pause uh, because I'm going to bring this user perspective, you know, that actually users really want this thing a lot more because I've done so much research on this thing. Um, so I think it's, it's really good to really understand, honestly, when, when those changes happen, why those changes are happening um, to the best of your ability as a designer, um, because it's... It's honestly, so being a PM, <laughs> I have never been a PM, but it doesn't look like an easy job to me. Uh, have, coming up with a vision, you have to um, kind of come up with this idea, essentially this overarching idea that comes from so many different inputs, from, from sales, from, um, from UX, from... Uh, the engineering teams, like all these things that you have to make priorities for and make roadmaps for. There's so many different things that are coming as inputs for you as a PM. And you have to kind of make a decision and make sure that aligns with the user, make sure it aligns with um, the, the technology of the company, and of course, of the, the business needs. And that's hard to do. Um, but sometimes you're not really sure as a designer where they're coming from. Are they coming from a lot of research with this new decision? Are they coming from um, very little research with this new decision. Um, so it's really good for you as a designer to really understand where this new information is coming from. Um, essentially do like a, I don't know, what, what are those called? Stakeholder interview, right? To really understand what's mm -hmm. going on here. And then from there, you can become aligned. You can realize this is actually a really big deal. I'm really excited to work on this for the company and for the user. Um, or you could realize maybe this isn't the right thing and I'm going to give you my input as a UX designer. You can take it or leave it, right? <laughs> You're the PM, you get to make the decision, but um, I'm going to give you my input based on my research, right? Um, so I think it's really good to have that. And I think that that's potentially a good way to actually align a little bit better to really understand what the, the thing is that you're aligning to, to the best of your ability so that you can be excited about it um, create a good solution for it and um, kind of be okay with that context switching because it does happen. It totally happens. Yeah. Um, companies do well, have to pivot, you know, so it's, it's a normal part of life, I think. Yeah. And then decisions are made. But yeah. the, the thing about alignment is it's not alignment from a designer's perspective. Sometimes feels like me just agreeing with whatever's happening. <laughs> That's not what alignment is or should be. Right. Like if yeah. there's if you're like, dude, no, we need to finish this project. Like then you you tell them that, you know, you're like, hey, we need to finish this thing. How mm -hmm. can we do them both? Or how can we, you know, how can we finish wrap this up and then move to the next thing or whatever? Like alignment's not alignment's not always you aligning with somebody else, but it's it's you being an active participant in that alignment. Right. It's it's all parties, you know, like you can't. <laughs> You know, all parties need to be aligned on the same goal, 
but that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that that goal can't change after talking to you, right? If you, if a PM comes over to you and says, Hey, we're going to change this, like, and you fundamentally disagree with it, then I think you need to, you need to push back and say, okay, well, wait, if we're, if this is changing, then this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then have that conversation, right? Have that communication yeah. back and forth as far as like, is this important right now? Is it not important right now? Um, and I think sometimes, you know, I think designers, we will take it personally a little bit, I think, and be like, well, whatever, you know, and then you get kind of cheesed off and just do whatever you're going to do. But I think it's your opportunity to kind of push back and challenge a little bit and, 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 and truly align. Like somebody has an idea, you have an opposite idea. The whole point of an alignment is to come to the same idea, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody compromises. It might mean that one or two, you know, might mean that you compromise a little bit and they compromise a little bit, or it might mean that we swing the whole entire different direction and then come back or, you know, but alignment is essentially just a new agreement, right? It's just, yeah. Hey, something's changed and now we're going to, we're going to realign on it and come to a new, a new agreement with them. I have a question for you though, Andy, uh, as a designer and working on projects with teams, what what have been some of the things that have prevented you from aligning with other people and other team members? I think some things that have prevented them is if they're like, like if these ideas are very top down, like executive level, like we're doing this new thing. Um, we're not going to tell you why. <laughs> You're not going to like back up really why <laughs> this new thing is happening. We're just doing this new thing. And so like if it, if it comes very top down um, with very little like to back it up, um, that's something that I could just be like, uh, like I could just do it, right? <laughs> I could disagree with it or do it. But like it, it's just not coming from anywhere that that of, of no, 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 doesn't come from anywhere of like validity in, to me, right? Like I like things to be backed yeah. up. I'm a designer. I like to have that. So I have trouble sometimes aligning with those things if I don't feel like it comes from any sort of like solid um, research or some solid data that can back up this decision. It, if it seems to me like it's just a gut decision, um, I'm not going to be super excited about it because most likely those are usually wrong. <laughs> um, so that, that's something that for sure that, that, that can be a struggle for me when I kind of get like, here's a, here's a new thing you're doing this and, um, we're just doing it because we're doing it because we mm-hmm. feel like it's the right thing. Um, that's something that, that I struggle with for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The non, a decision without, I like that a decision without sort of somebody actually thoughtfully going through the consequences and thinking about what, it, what, it, how it'll impact is always something that, you know, prevents people from aligning. I mean, it's hard. It's hard when you've, you know, especially when things change, like, you know, when things are changing, you're going from one project to the next. But even if, you know, even if the next thing on the roadmap, everybody's aligned to the next thing on the roadmap and you get to it and there's, there's little, there's little evidence that that's what we're supposed to be doing. Like that, that can even be hard to like get in and get excited about the project and get aligned on the goals of the project and get aligned with the customers and like has, has a way of preventing other alignment issues, you know, along the way, if you're, if, if, you know, if it's just kind of like gut feeling, we're just going to do this. Okay. Everybody, yeah. we're just going to jump in the pool. All right, let's do it. <laughs> you don't want to feel that way, you know? Yeah. That, no, that's scary. Yeah. That's definitely not the right way to go for sure. <laughs> so, um, I think another thing as well that really hampers alignment is, and it kind of comes to what you were talking about earlier, um, the collaboration piece. If somebody isn't willing to collaborate with you, isn't willing to, um, in some cases, make compromises or even listen um, to what you have to bring to the table as a designer or listen to what other people can bring to the table, you just don't really want to align with them. It's hard to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to work with them if, 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 if their way is the highway, right? Like they're, they're very like, this is the thing, right? Like we're only doing this and I don't want to hear any other input. Um, yeah that's a huge hamper for me as well, I think. Well, and, and it's true. If somebody does, if somebody else, if, if you're, 
if you're going into an alignment meeting or you're talking about stuff or you're, you know, <laughs> you're trying to align on stuff and then the other party's not willing to align with you, you know, they're not willing to give, they're not willing to have the conversation, then yeah, I think a lot of times you just throw up your, you know, you put up your shield and you're like, fine. Well, if you're not going to align, I'm not going to align either. You know, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely all parties have to be involved in that process, you know? Yeah. So that you can make sure everything's lined up correctly. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a two way street, right? Um, that alignment and collaboration, um, it does require people to understand your, your point of view and you have to understand their point of view. Um, it's really hard to align if that isn't happening. Um, and if you're really trying to understand their point of view and um, they're just not trying to understand yours at all, <laughs> it's really hard to yeah. um, make that alignment for sure. As you said, like it's a, it's a new agreement, right? Um, so it's, it's definitely hard to do that. So um, that's one thing that I struggle with too. Well, in the competitive, sometimes it gets competitive, right? And I think yes. that, that hurts alignment as well. It gets... You know, it gets, hey, I have an idea, you have an idea, mine's better than your idea, whatever. You know, I think people can get really competitive with it as well. And so that that really hurts alignment. That really hurts alignment because the purpose of alignment is to come together on that new agreement, that new direction, that new vision, right? Or whatever the vision is, it's to, it's to agree upon that and then move forward, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people just want to, like a lot of people, I think it's just human nature too. I think a lot of people just want to be right. They think they're right. They have certain evidence that proves that they're right. And then another person looks at it from a different perspective and they have a hard time, you know, understanding the other perspective. And so then you, you get that, that butting of heads, right? That, yeah. that sort of argumentative type of mentality, which you see all over in our society right now, right? I mean, you see that, you know, people saying really ridiculous things on all, all, on all sides trying to be right when the whole point is not to... The whole point's we're not going to move forward if if we're just fighting because we're right, you know? Yep. Like, who's right or who's wrong? Well, nobody moves forward that way. And alignment can't move forward in a project unless you guys, unless everybody sort of agrees on the next common step, right? And so, yeah, if you're being really competitive, you know, about your idea and stuff like that, like too competitive, then that puts you in that realm of not willing to align, right? And mm-hmm. I'm not even saying, like, not willing to compromise, because I think in all cases, you don't have to compromise on stuff, but that's true. not willing to align on something, right? Not not willing to see somebody else's perspective on it and figure out a path forward. Because that's really what it is, is defining what the next step is, the path forward from here. Um, and it doesn't matter if anybody's right or wrong. You still have to move forward with it. So yeah, if you don't, then you don't produce a product and who loses in the end, right? Like everybody loses in the end. So users, users, most importantly, like your customers are going to lose, they're they're the ones that are going to lose the most if you guys can't align on something. Yeah, you know, exactly. (laughs) So, uh, I think from there, I think that's a very good point, right? All, All those points essentially are really important. Like you, you have to be able to work together. If you're not going to, you're not really going to move forward. You're not going to, of course, align on something and that, that hurts everybody. Um, so how do we get to the point where we are aligned? <laughs> how do we actually um, arrive in, into a team of, of collaboration and alignment in terms of uh, priorities? Well, I think you said it. I think you said it. Collaboration is the biggest one, right? You, you, have, to be, you have to be a collaborative type of person. You can't be somebody that thinks they know everything because mm-hmm. you don't. Maybe you, maybe you know a lot. Maybe you're super smart and you've been in this situation before, but you haven't been in this situation before with these other people. And maybe the outcome's going to be a little bit different. You don't know, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I think it's, ha- I think it's being open-minded, being willing to collaborate, you know, being humble enough to admit that you're not right, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, and then also just trying to understand the problem, I think is the biggest issue because... I think a lot of times the pigheadedness and the competitive stuff comes back to sort of an insecurity as far as I don't really understand what we're trying to solve, right? Maybe I don't quite understand the problem. I just hear that there's a problem and we should just do this to solve it or whatever. But you don't actually understand the problem or, or took the time to 
dive into it and really go, okay, what's the crux of it, right? Um, and I think that that's, you know, when you get backed into a corner, like, and you don't quite understand what's happening, you get scared and frustrated and yeah. you can lash out and try to be right. So I think, I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think just having the mentality of trying to be collaborative, trying to be humble about it, trying to be a team member, but then also actually trying to understand the problem that's driving the alignment issue or the problem of what's what we're trying to align on is, is the bigger part. Because I think once the problem becomes bigger than you, it's super easy to align. It's, it's much easier to collaborate on a problem that's bigger than yourself. It's much easier to collaborate on something that's not personal. It's just yeah. easier to do. Right. But if you're, if you're, you know, I, I would say if you're kind of being petty about it, it kind of comes back to, you don't understand the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I know. love that. And then maybe that's too simple. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that is the answer though. I think it all it comes back to you being a humble person and not thinking that your answer is always the right answer. Right. And being yeah. willing to really explore other people's points of view, I think is super important. And I think that that's where it needs to start. Like you need to be a collaborative person uh, to be able to have that alignment um, in your company. I think you need to bring that to the table. Everybody needs to bring that to the table and you also need to have a culture that supports that in your company. Because if you do it a lot, I think it's going to help out. It's going to, it's going to have, allow you to foster, you know, better relationships and better, um, you know, ways to collaborate. But if your company just doesn't support that, you're going to have some problems still. Like if, if you guys are, you know, maybe your product teams are collaborating and you're, you're finding alignment, but then somebody from the top just says, no, you're all working on this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and there's, there's no like collaborative, um, I guess there's not really a collaborative culture or there's not, you know, a way where they can get that feedback, then it's not going to really help for that alignment. So I think all the individuals of a company need to bring that collaborative spirit to the company. But I also think the company needs to have that sort of, um, that sort of collaboration built into their culture as well to really mm-hmm. have, um, I think good alignments of, of those, those solutions and priorities. Yeah. Play, to play. Yeah. To play. I, I like that. I like just having that culture of feeling comfortable, you know, feeling, feeling sort of safe to have your opinions and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and feel like, feel like the culture, especially from like leadership is willing to tell you when there's, say a change in alignment or a change in vision that they're willing to actually tell you the actual what's actually happening. Cause mm-hmm. maybe it is just a personal thing for them. You know, maybe it's something else, you know, who knows, but when they're, when they're not transparent about that, it's much more difficult to play devil's advocate a little bit. Like I think sometimes when you're dealing with alignment issues too, or you're dealing with things like this, sometimes you, you kind of have to go along for the ride just a little bit. Um, Cause I think sometimes in certain situations you don't necessarily see the issue until you sort of get there. And so I'm thinking in terms of like, like us hiring new designers at work, you know, we have a design system. We have certain things that we do. We have all kinds of stuff. People come from different companies that have different things that they do that maybe work for them, you know, whatever. That's, that's great. But when they come into your company, you want to make sure as a manager that they're aligned to, sort of our principles and our values and they're sort of bought into what we're doing. And so for a certain amount of time, you kind of have to have them just sort of do it and go along for the ride until they kind of understand the purpose behind it. And so I think that does also go back to the humility and culture thing though, is being able to have a culture that's open enough for that new person to ask questions you know, yes. and, and not a leadership going, well, that's just the way we do it. Yeah. Right. Reply back to, well, that's just the way we do it. Like, I don't care about your other company. The other company is dumb. We do it this way here because we're better. Like if you're, if you're, if the leadership is that way, then of course they're not willing to align either. But I think the, on the, on the flip side is, is it too, is as a designer, sometimes you come in and you're like, well, this is a better way. This is what we should do. And I'm going to make it my chore to like improve it, you know, the best that I can when honestly I don't really fully understand how the company culture works, how those design principles work, how the design system works, whatever, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the alignment issue could be. So I think there is a little bit of give and take, especially in, in new, you know, 
in new situations like that, you know, new people entering the team, you know, with different ideas, things like that. I think everybody sort of has to go along for the ride a little bit to sort of flesh out what's happening. Yeah. And I think, I think that definitely still works with what we're talking about for sure, because uh, I think you do have to take the time to understand why the company does it, right? (laughs) If the company does something this way, you might want to figure it out before you're like, no, we should just do it this way. This is what I've always done. Um, so I, I think it's, it's great to really take the time to understand that your way may not be the best way, your solution, your idea may not be the best solution. You can take some time to observe, to research, to ask questions, um, before you come in guns blazing, <laughs> I think, um, yeah. and make those changes for sure. Uh, yeah, because you, you really have to realize you just don't have all the answers as a designer. Yeah. You like to think you do, but you just don't. <laughs> Well, and the so, company might be wrong. The approach might be wrong, but... That's possible, yeah. You you have to come in and understand it anyway to even fix it. Like, if, if you wanted to fix it and say, like, hey, this is wrong and I want to fix it, you're, you're going to have to understand why they, you know, you're going to have to understand the problem of, uh-huh. of, of what was wrong and why the company is wrong about this and why they should approach it in a new way. Because if you can't communicate that to them when you're trying to pitch a new way then they're just going to think that you're being a jerk, you know? They're, yeah. they're not going to be like, oh, they didn't think about this and this and this. Like, they're just coming in and ruffling a bunch of feathers, like, you know, because they think they're right. Whereas if you understand the actual issue, you approach it as, hey, I think it would be better if we do this because it'll solve this problem, this problem, this problem, you know? And then the people that are involved in it or designed it or created it or whatever are going to be like, oh, yeah, we never thought about that because, you know, obviously – Obviously, everybody has a little bit of the, you know, their heads buried in the sand a little bit because you're too close to everything. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody from the outside coming in and show and sort of showing you that is fine. But it's it's different. It's not like, hey, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, you're an idiot. It's more like, let me put my head in the sand and figure out what's happening in the sand first. And then I'll, you know, then we'll figure out a better solution for this. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't the, know, it's same the important thing. part of alignment. It is. It is. I think you can employ the same thing used as a designer. When you when you go when you're doing the design process, you really need to find the real problem first. You can't just like mm-hmm. make quick assumptions, make quick solutions for those assumptions and be done. Because you might be solving the wrong problem. So you have to do the same thing. You have to just as you're saying, you really have to understand the problem. So that's gonna take time. It's gonna take understanding. It's gonna take research. It's gonna take asking questions. Um, so yeah, you, you do have to come in, um, not guns blazing, but come in and understand the differences here and understand why those are different. Right. So yeah. yeah. Use the design process designer. Yep. The design process design or design thinking as all the bloggers call it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the power of the, we could solve any problem with design thinking. Okay. But no, well, it really can. is like lighting on the problem that, that you're trying to solve. <laughs> you can you can solve alignment, Patrick, with design thinking. So yeah, you can solve every problem. You can. With design thinking. You yeah. can solve every problem, I guess. Yep. That's go us. get them, designers. <laughs> Use go your solve, thinking. Go solve all of the alignment and priority issues in your company with the design process. Yeah. With the thinking of design. Yep. Did it, I, I don't know if that conversation helped Chris or not. Uh, I don't know. I, hopefully. I, 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 hope, I hope it did. I think there were some good things that came out of that. Because it wasn't, the topic wasn't really a question, right? It was like. Nope. No, he just, just wanted say, to talk. What about this? About, <laughs> he just wanted us to talk about alignment of teams and priorities. That's it. So we talked yeah. about it, right? He's just throwing out, he's like, somebody just throwing out a question, like just sitting around in a group and somebody just went, Blue. Thoughts. <laughs> Alignment like, well, priorities. I like blue. That's important. You know? It's it's an important thing. Yeah, you should do it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that kind of topic though. I like the kind of topic that's just like, hey, teams and teams in alignment. What are your thoughts? Yeah. What do you think about it? And we're like, ah, it's important, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's important it. and it's hard and you should try to do it. Yeah. And not be a jerk about it. And you should be but, humble. Yeah. <laughs> be a good designer, be a good steward, be a good team member. You know, like you said, don't be a jerk. 
Yeah. Should be the new name of the podcast. Design much. Don't be a jerk. Ah, nice tag tagline. I love it. Love it. Tag it. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh make our don't be a jerk t shirt, Patrick. Yeah, that would be cool. Do you actually would sell be those? A, probably. We'd probably sell a lot of those. Yeah. TM we should do it. Yep. We should have some good swag like that. I mean, we, we already have really that. good swag, but that's that's pretty good too. Yeah, I like "Don't Be a Jerk." I also like a very serious podcast. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Super super serious podcast. Okay, Andy, we did it. Let's uh, wrap it up. We did it, Patrick. Thank you for your time. Thanks for talking about uh, your thoughts on alignment and teams and priorities. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, this this episode's going to be special to my heart because I'm going to spend a lot of time editing this podcast and editing all my coughs out. So I apologize <laughs> if there's a few left in there, but I'm going to try to I'm going to do my best, Andy, to edit edit the coughs out so that people aren't listening and like be like, ah, oh, so gross. Well, that's the best part. Now they can go back because, of course, they're listening to this now that it's been released, right? Now they can go back yeah. and try to find a cough. So it's kind of like a, a real good li- reason to go back and listen to the whole thing again. <laughs> try to find a couple of hidden coughs yeah. here and there. <laughs> that's the challenge, yeah. If you, yeah. <laughs> if you got this far in the podcast, I want you to go back. I want to start, start the podcast over again <laughs> and count how many coughs. If you get the accurate number of coughs, submit it through the contact on designmuch.org through the contact form. And if you get the exact number of actual coughs <laughs> that I left in the podcast today, then I'll send you a, I don't know, a candy bar of some kind. Fifth Avenue. My Fifth new favorite Avenue. candy bar, Fifth Avenue bar. Really? That's your new one? Oh, huh? man. Hands down, dude. Weird. Okay. Weird? I'm going to tell Jordan you think she's weird. <laughs> okay. Jordan Reed is the one that got me hooked on the the Fifth really? Avenue bar. Yeah. All right. You know what? You know what? I'm gonna tell you something really quick, Patrick. You know what? You know what happened to me? It was really crazy. We just had Halloween, and uh, you know, after Halloween, usually you have an abundance of Halloween candy at your house, left over from the trick or treaters not taking all of it, and also your mm-hmm. kids, uh, their hard work. I I had a really interesting experience with a Kit Kat bar, Patrick. Uh, the other day, I open up a Kit Kat bar like you do. So, you know, just take a break. Um, and I bit into it, and it was 100% pure chocolate. It was just, what? it was just chocolate. Just chocolate. It was so weird. There was, n- it was just none solid of the little, chocolate. There's none no of the little cookie in, in it. No wafer in it. Uh, just solid chocolate. And I don't even understand how that's possible. <laughs> But it happened, and I, I, I was hoping to have won some sort of prize. Um, there wasn't any sort of golden ticket inside of my Kit Kat bar. Yeah, you didn't get sent the off wrapper. to the factory or anything, no, did you? No, but it was wild. Probably the craziest think, thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Yeah, I think I think somebody, Sally or somebody on the line that one day, just, just thought, you know what? I'm going to treat somebody. Just this one. I'm going <laughs> to take this cookie. I'm not gonna put. I'm gonna take this candy bar. I'm not gonna put the wafer inside of it. I'm just gonna fill it up with chocolate. I'm gonna ship it out, and I don't know who's gonna get it, but that person is gonna bite into it, and they're gonna be like, "Ah, that was fantastic. I needed that today. That's what I needed <laughs> yeah. today." Maybe, or or she was getting. I don't know. Maybe she was getting back at the company. Maybe she was disgruntled, mm-hmm. uh, not not happy with her her pay or something like that. And she wasn't aligned. Yep, she wasn't aligned. That's exactly right. Some somebody forgot to tell her on her first day that you're supposed to put the wafer in with the chocolate. <laughs> it's not just the chocolate. Uh, she she missed a secret recipe part of the Kit Kat um, yeah. uh, training essentially. So yeah, so that, that's importance what happened of to alignment. Me. Importance of alignment, right there. Um, but yeah, so that's that's something that's interesting. That very interesting that happened to me recently. It was not that good, though. I'll tell you that, Patrick. It that wasn't, wasn't. It was. I don't know what's up with their chocolate. Maybe it's supposed to. It's made to, you know, be tasted with the wafer, but it wasn't good chocolate. So, mm. 
um, maybe they're they're yeah. She, I didn't think about she was that. really getting back at the company, so I don't know. Um, huh. But I'm sure the Fifth Avenue bar would be better than just a plain Kit Kat bar of chocolate. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I don't really know. I, I'm more of a Milky Way fella myself. Yeah, you like the Milky Ways. I do, and Snickers because I'm a, a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need it. Snickers satisfies. It does, especially if you if you have kids, it it satisfies a lot more for some reason. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. That is the dad candy. It's the bar peanuts. For sure. It's the peanut. It is. That's my dad. The growing up, that was my dad's favorite candy bar. Yeah, it's. it's and I never understood it. You know, it's always the way that works. So I don't know. I was like, dude, you got a Twix over here. You got a Milky Way. You got. Uh, you got so many other candy bars. Like, why do you go with the Snickers? Yeah. But it's the dad pants of candy. That's what it is. <laughs> dad jeans. Dad jeans. It's the it's the tuck your t shirt into your jeans of candy bars. That's what the Snickers is. Yeah, it, it sure is. And I'm proud of it, Patrick, to be able to enjoy my Snickers bars. So um, when I'm when I'm you know when I'm relaxing, I want just a you know a nice nice time. I'm just like trying to escape. That's when I go for the Milky Way. But when I just want like a nice treat, you know, that's um, and I'm dadding it up. That's my Snickers bar time. Yeah. So Snickers every day, and then that occasional hey, I'm gonna go on vacation, <laughs> yeah. and I'm gonna untuck my T-shirt. Yes, yes. That's a Milky Way right there. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> nice. I like Milky Ways too, but I'll never buy one. They're, they're the they're the hundred Whoa. grand of candy bars in my opinion. Like which are great candy bars. What are you talking about? I know. I have no problem with them, but I don't want if I like. Let's say May. It's May seventeenth, right? <laughs> okay. Um. I'm not gonna go buy a hundred grand at the at the at the at the gas station. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I I've never I don't think I've ever purchased a hundred grand or a Milky Way in my entire life. Wow! But they're I've both purchased... fantastic candy bars. Huh. I've purchased many Milky Ways. I don't think I've had a purchased a one hundred grand. I, those are typically found in Halloween candy bags, and that's when I eat those essentially. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Interesting. See, Reese's Reese's has me locked in. Reese's in a in a mm. Fifth Avenue or Butterfinger. They have they they've tricked me. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's the bright coloring <laughs> of the packaging or not, but I go when I go into the candy store, I go right to that orange section and I pick something because you can't go wrong. Yeah, you go with a classic buttercup, peanut buttercup, or you get one of those wild nutrageous things. Like it doesn't even matter. I know whatever I'm getting there is going to be fantastic. And sure. for some reason, I miss the brown and green candy bars over to the left. I just mm. see the the bright orange to the right. Interesting. Yeah. So it's the colors that catch you, Patrick. The, it might be. It might get me on the colors. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know what, what your favorite candy bar is. The Fifth, Fifth Avenue, Avenue, man. But the fifth, see, the Fifth Avenue goes against this because the Fifth Avenue is like a, a brownish, like maroon color. Yeah, it's very. It's not. It's not a brightly fashion-y. color wrapper either. That's true. But it's the. If you think of, think in terms of cars, Andy, you have Honda and you have you have the Acura, right? They're both made by the same company, but the Acura model line is like the higher quality Honda, right? It's like. Honda's kind of your average car, and then the Acura kind of comes in. Every every car company has this. You have the VW, you have the Audi, yeah, yeah. you have those. So think of it in terms of this. I discovered this, and this is what Jordan pointed out to me. The Fifth Avenue bar is the Audi of the Butterfinger. The Butterfinger's good. Like, don't get me wrong. I know. I see your face. The Butterfinger is great, but... When you grab a Fifth Avenue bar and you eat it, you get just a slightly better taste. The eating experience is a little better. It's not as crumbly as the Butterfinger. The chocolate's just got a little bit of finer. It's just better chocolate. Just a little bit better chocolate. And so it's just like, it's just like, it's like the better version. Just the step, the the one notch up version of a Butterfinger. It's the Audi. I had no idea. And I drive a Volkswagen, dude. I drive a Volkswagen, so don't get me wrong. (laughs) Like I that's, love a Butterfinger, but uh, a Fifth Avenue, 
that's that you know that's a step up i'm not saying it's the ferrari i'm saying it's like the middle class like it's still within my realm of purchase but not like crazy wow i i did not know this um how long has it been since i've had one of those things i can't even remember i need to go try one growing (laughs) before i was at that growing up my my go-to was always butterfinger do you remember those Butterfinger BBs, Patrick? Those little balls yeah. <laughs> that were Butterfinger balls. BBs ball. were great, yeah. Those were wonderful. And I remember the commercials. They were awesome. Um, I was all about that as a kid growing up. I kind of grew out of them a little bit. Um, but they're still great. And they're also rare. You don't see them that much anymore. And I don't know why Fifth that Avenue? is. No, Butterfingers. Yeah, no, I see, I see them. I think you're going. I never see them. I think you're going right over to the Snickers bar. Like you, you're dialed in. You're dad mode in the Snickers. That bar. might be. I don't know. You walk right past the Butterfingers. They're there. <laughs> the Fifth Avenue bar is rare, especially out here in the west on the west side of. Yeah, that's the definitely United rare. States. Yeah, that's there's true. Only a few places that even have them. Dang. Well, I need to go try one. I am. I got to go try this out uh, because I am a Butterfinger fan and. I can't even remember what one a Fifth Avenue tastes like right now. So um, I got to go try that out. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I, I just never even have them. They're never anywhere. <laughs> so when you yeah. say Fifth Avenue is like the best one, that's why I'm like, really? What? You know? Before you go hunting around uh, for Fifth Avenue bars, try your local Macy's. Okay. The Macy's will have them, probably. Hmm. Um, and then some gas stations will have them more, more like the East coast gas stations, not the Sinclair's, not the holidays, but like, uh, I'm trying to think of like a more of an East coast gas station that's around here. But, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, they're a little bit more rare. You got to do some hunting. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get a specialty dealer, right. To get you those, those fifth avenues. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Pyrotos down in Sandy has them. Hmm. Okay. They have all that weird candy. Oh, and the the store over in Holiday. Oh yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they have Fifth <laughs> Avenues. You know the store, right? I do. I, I think do it's called the just store. the store. Yeah. A great name <laughs> for sure. Uh yeah, that's that's good. I'm I'm very impressed, Patrick. You know all the spots to get a bit <laughs> That's an important look, thing. Look, 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 look. <laughs> I've been married to my wife for twenty plus years. I know that's uh-huh. unbelievable, Andy. <laughs> she likes all the rare candy. She does not like average candy. Ooh, okay. Like, I cannot go to a 7-Eleven, you know. If, if I run over, I said, hey, I'm going to run over 7-Eleven and grab a donut. What do you want? She's like, don't worry about it. There's nothing there for me. <laughs> no. wow. There's nothing there. It's, it's all commoner food, right? <laughs> she doesn't want commoner candy. So I know these places where I can get, you know, those little sea foams where I can get, you know, grapefruit, uh, grapefruit candies, the little squishy, like, you know, grapefruit, grapefruit gummies. They're, they're Mm. very rare. You don't get them everywhere. Not the pink ones, the white ones. Like I, I know where these places are now because I've, I've had to investigate it. And for the most part, Fifth Avenue bars exist. I've found exist in those locations. If somebody's going to have seafoam, chances of them having uh, Fifth Avenues are going to be a little higher. So Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you are keeping up a list that maybe you can share with the rest of us people who don't have the kind of time to go searching for all these places. Um, so I'll look forward to that, Patrick, that list okay. soon. Okay. We'll put it on, I, the, we'll put it on the website. Okay, good places to find fifth avenues although <laughs> i don't want to tell you especially around here if people are around in utah and i tell you where where the fifth avenue bars are then you guys are gonna go buy them all up and then when i when i show up they're not gonna be there so oh you know what I you, all you gotta you. do you you can tell us some of the locations leave the special well, ones you, to you just to just yeah i told you i told you macy's macy's has them so go to macy's <laughs> okay. don't go anywhere else just go to Macy's, everybody. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Good conversation. I think it's really important to know what what your designer likes to eat. Like, what candy bar is important for your designer? We we have March mm-hmm. coming up, Patrick. We know that's that's design March, design much. Design month. March. 
when you're supposed it's to. It's coming up, yeah, in buy, like buy. six months. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get ready. So stock up on some Fifth Avenue bars for Patrick and Jordan reading as well. You can send yep. some to to those individuals. So all important things. So definitely find out what designer near you, uh, what their favorite candy bar is. <laughs> I guess I'm speaking to all the non-designers um, that are listening to the show and get them a candy bar for for March. Yeah. Yeah. Say thanks for aligning with me throughout the yeah. year. I know it's been <laughs> tough, but here's a candy bar. <laughs> okay, go well, get a Fifth Avenue bar. I'm going to go do it. I'll see you later, Patrick. Okay. Bye, Andy. See ya. Thanks for listening to the pod. Real quick before you take off, we need your topics. Shoot an email to topics at designmuch.org or go to designmuch.org slash contact and fill out the form. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, go ahead and share the pod with some friends, coworkers, your weird aunt, that guy who takes your money every morning at the McDonald's, your hamster, really just whoever you want to. Lastly, go grab a Design Much t-shirt at designmuch.threadless.com and wear it freaking proudly. That's it, guys. Now have a good week, design nerds.